0: Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: What's up? This is your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
1: Getting ready to take on spring?
0: Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now,
2: in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Jenkins and Jones is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Welcome to Jenkins and Jones on the Volume Podcast Network. It is Thursday, September 2nd. Uh, this is our second take doing the intro, which means I remembered the date this time, which was a good sign. Uh, we have two things to talk about. Not a lot of things to talk about. Two things, including the thing that everyone on Twitter tweeted at us to talk about, uh, which you should have known we were going to talk about. And we're also talking about the second half of They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us our first uh, book pick for book club 2.0. As always, Jenkins and Jones is hosted by my good friends, the beheadphoned LeJethro Jenkins, a.k.a. John was that, Bubbas? I do have
1: my headphones on. We are ready to record. You do not have to start <laughs> over again. My bad.
2: <laughs> and uh, Tyler, aka Dragonfly Jones. Hey everybody, have a good. <laughs> we've all got our. we all got you our. You had a little sauce it. In, dog. <laughs> <laughs> you see if you give if you give him multiple takes at the at the white guy intro voice. Yeah, I
3: got got jazz it up a little bit. Guys. Move, he's
2: moving progressively <laughs> further south. If we do a third or fourth. <laughs> Take, he will be in mexico <laughs> first you feel me <laughs> uh i'm mike aka guardy b and uh i'm very proud to announce uh normally we leave the sponsorship ad talk for the actual ads but uh we have a new sponsorship i'm so excited about we have to mention it up top we are the official podcast of bishop sycamore high school let's go <laughs> we, we did it let's get it We did it. We made it guys. I want to thank the whole team. A lot of work went into pulling that together. (laughs) Um, I guess they had some sponsorship opportunities open up recently and (laughs) uh, we appreciate them thinking of, of Jenkins and Jones. I, Obviously, this is, I think, really the only thing I'm interested in talking about with anyone at this (laughs) current moment in time. Uh, But it was funny. I feel like I had 50 people. This is what it's like to be Tyler all the time. I feel like I had 50 people tweet at me like, you guys have to talk about this on the podcast. It's like, no fucking shit. We're going to talk about this on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen, uh, to lay the scene. ESPN televised a high school football game between, uh, IMG Academy, which is also a fake high school. And, uh, <laughs> just by, the, by the way,
1: <laughs> we'll keep it in a stack. Um, and, uh, and,
2: and, uh, and, bishops. Uh, I have a guy who teaches there who te- who, who emails me every time I call him a fake high school on our shit at the five, six, two. And, uh, I tell him every time it's a fake high school. I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> They played Bishop Sycamore High School in a game that was televised on ESPN. And um, Bishop Sycamore High School mascot, uh, the scammers, uh, are like Icarus. (laughs) They they flew a little too close to the sun. The number one rule of any scam is you don't fucking take it on national television, (gasps) bro. Hey, what the fuck? (laughs) Fake school. Uh, Like a lot of these prep schools set up just to be sort of a football team. It turns out that some of the players on the team are older. Um, I have not read a lot of journalistic articles about this. The jokes are much funnier than the facts. But gentlemen, what did you think? What what is your feeling about possibly the greatest scam? I can remember so many people were scammed in the scamming of this scam. I just I want to (laughs) know.
3: Look, look, there's, there's a whole lot of wild boys in this scenario, but I feel like the coaches of Bishop Sycamore are the wildest of the wild boys if we're doing some wild boy power rankings here because how are you so bold to take this scam to fucking nationally televised sports leader, the mothership ESPN. Like, that's what 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 tripped me out. Like, like you know, we, we know about fucking, you know, uh, fake high schools running these scams with, you know, fake Juco players all the time. We hear about that shit all the time. But to take that shit to ESPN is when I was like, bro, y'all are wild and for real. That's what got
2: me. The head coach has a felony arrest warrant out. For in fraud, his name. For fraud, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and he went on ESPN. For fraud. ESPN
3: committing
1: fraud. Do, <laughs> do we see this all the time, No. There's a bunch of high schools that have, like, oh yeah, there's, juco-age there's, there's motherfuckers playing yeah, for them? Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting to me, but, like, isn't it more than the coaches that get you on ESPN? You can't be a... Like, a coach can call up ESPN, like, yo, we're playing IMG, you should show this fucking game. Like, it isn't there has to be like a, a whole slew of motherfuckers that's trying to that's in on this scam that are I, like I, you know, I had a it, debate it, with, dressed up in
2: suits and shit, pretending to be other motherfuckers. Like, this is wild. I had a debate with friends of mine about what was the wildest scam, and I use the word scam instead of catfish because I enjoy scam. I enjoy the concept of scamming. I've been a fan of that for a lot, just like heisting is funnier to say than stealing. You know what I mean? So Is this a wilder scam than the Manti Teo shit? And I said yes, just because of how many more people were... Scammed in the no, yeah,
1: it's not. yeah. I mean, every, we, <laughs> that, that was
2: all what?
3: of us know someone who's lied about having a girlfriend. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that man, tail shit, that was standard fair. It just so happened he was a fucking you know prominent college football player, so that's why that shit took off. How many you he know fake Scammed their way into having a whole school on ESPN, bro?
1: <laughs> he faked her fucking death, nigga. <laughs> like. There's
2: nothing standard about
1: that, nigga. That is some psychopathic <laughs> shit. Nobody
2: shed any tears over Bishop Sycamore High School. People were like, you know what I mean? Right? Like, th- that whole situation, he basically was like Daniel Steele or whatever. Like He successfully, like a fiction was created that he was wrapped up in or whatever. That he was a world builder. People.
1: He built a world around a fake fucking human and sold that shit to us, nigga. That is wild, nigga. That nigga need to be on the Marvel team,
2: okay? That shit's not standard
1: <laughs> fair. You feel me? He's a creator. <laughs> Let Manti mean?
2: Te'a re-envision the final scene of Game of Thrones. He's the Picasso and, uh, some... of fucking scammers, nigga. You feel <laughs> what I'm saying? Like,
1: <laughs> this right here was, I think ESPN fucked up more than they were scammed. You feel what I'm saying? Like, nigga, yeah, they had to do some type of research prior, you would imagine. Oh. You feel what I'm saying?
3: Oh, oh, ESPN That's is-, on is, them. is, is- ESPN is passing that buck like a motherfucker. Like, there is supposed to be an agency that was supposed to have vetted these high schools. And they're like, hey, them. <laughs> they're saying us. They're like, these motherfuckers, like Paragon or some shit like that. They're like, these motherfuckers are the ones who fucked up. Like, they passing that buck like a motherfucker right now, bro.
1: Fucking snitches, nigga.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: nothing, turns still, nigga. Sn- nothing turns people to snitches faster like getting scammed in public. <laughs> You know, <laughs> no, uh, that wasn't me. That was my mom. Right? You know what I mean? Just like immediately, <laughs> I, I didn't get scammed. That was sitting on me.
1: That was them niggas. No, <laughs> they was on your network, my nigga. I dude, it was like wasn't it like es like the was it the main station or ESPN two or something like that? Like I remember watching it because people were talking about how th- like prior to the game even ending, motherfuckers were saying like th- like people from that area were saying how this is like a. Nobody understands how this team, how this school operates, and it and it's like a, it's a scam of a fucking charter school. And so I turned to the game when it was like a hundred to zero instead of one hundred and fifty to zero. I think it ended be being like fifty-two to nothing. You know what I'm saying? But like to check it out, like dude, I I don't know, man. Like that 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 shit is wild as fuck. That's that's only to me. That's only ESPN, dog. You can't have that shit. More it's on everyone. I don't think it's really on the scammers to me, nigga. Like, it, like it, it they, really, they probably were shocked, like, oh, for real? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, this we didn't yeah, even do that much. This ain't the even cr- the best, the best scam we pulled off, my nigga. You feel what I'm saying?
3: It's like the the cracks in this shit started happening with the announcing team who were like, bro, this roster list they gave us is trash. We're, we looked up famous alumni. We found nothing. We went into the fucking recruiting portal to see who the five stars are, who they said they have on this team. We found nothing. Like, it's basically the commenting team who was trying to be prepared and be on their shit. The one people who, the, you know, the one group of people who were actually trying to do their job in this scenario were the ones who kind of, you know, cracked the arm here. Like, hold up, what the fuck is going on here?
1: They were apologizing on television.
3: Yeah. They well, because it was like 60
2: to shit. zero, like 15 minutes into the game, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it, the, like the other thing that's funny is like this was a fake prep school with older dudes and they also got fucking dragged. <laughs> that's wild. To me.
1: I'm like, y'all, you brought Juco niggas in here and got your ass whooped. You brought grown men in this motherfucker. Legal ass motherfuckers that can go, go buy a beer. Full bearded motherfuckers coming in here and getting whooped by some high schoolers. That's wild. That's how you know IMG is a fake high school too. Because <laughs> yeah. no regular high school ain't gonna beat them. You know what I mean?
3: <laughs> <laughs> by sixty points. That that's the the funniest most. Humbling part of this is you got grown ass men, <laughs> grown ass 21-year-olds on the on that fucking roster who are, you know, probably still have these pipe dreams of making the NFL probably making, man, coaching politics was 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 fucking me up. You know, coach ain't never want to give me no playing time. It's my time to shine. And these motherfuckers out here getting bodied by some 10th graders. I think that is like the, <laughs> the biggest dose of reality that those motherfuckers had. Like, bro, this shit just ain't for us, man. It might be time to, to goddamn go be a family man and get that CDL. Or something, bro. The CDL? <laughs> get, get that HVAC certification, dog? The
1: the days go be a man. man, my nigga. <laughs> right,
3: go, go go, go go them direct TV satellites, bro, because this football shit ain't, ain't panning out for you,
1: homie. The universe called them trash on ESPN in front of everybody, nigga. That's
2: some wild shit, you know what I mean? I mean, the announcers probably, they'd already done their prep and knew something was up, it sounds like, but when they, if you've seen the clip of the teams running out, I mean, it's like three of those dudes trip running out of the tunnel, bro. <laughs> like, Dog, man. It's some, like It looks like, uh, someone said they look like little giants running out. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah. Actually, yo, what they should do, what people should do is, I want a mini doc. I want at least a 30 for 30 on this. I need
2: some background. How did this happen? You know what I mean? Can I be completely honest with you? The three of us could make this happen in about an hour. Like, (laughs) I mean, all you need to... So if you look at, like, they just use a fake address. They use an address to someone's house, right? And they set it up. But the the reason I say IMG is a fake high school is it's also one of these um, prep schools. People send their kids to Florida to train and go to school at fucking IMG Academy um, a lot of them are doing independent studies, which means they're not actually in class at any point. They just have to, they have <laughs> to complete a certain amount of work, you know what I mean, in order to get the credit. But the CIF, which is the organizing body over high school sports in California, they banned teams. You cannot play IMG Academy because really? the CIF says it's not a real fucking high school. Cause you know what? It's not a real fucking high school. It's a series of sports teams with an academic component. And that is becoming overwhelming like. That is happening more and more. And so IMG ends up getting scammed into playing these dudes because a ton of organizing bodies, I think they can't Walk play in Texas. Right, I think right, they can't right. play in Ohio. So they can't play anybody anymore. And they can't play in Florida. They can't is play it, where they are. So it, they have to schedule games against other schools that are kind of set up like this. Now, IMG, significantly more of a high school than you know Bishop fucking Sycamore or whatever, <laughs> but... But they're still not in an organizing body. They can't play for like a state championship. They, you know what I'm saying? Like they don't. They're not part of regular high school sports either. This was much more common in basketball with prep schools, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Montverde and a lot of these other schools that that really are much more like schools, but that take a kid for a prep year. So you graduate high school, you reclassify, you do a prep year, and then you still maintain your eligibility, right? Okay.
1: Oak Hill, you know what I mean? Oak Hill, my Montver- yeah. I mean,
2: a lot of the teams that when you look at high school basketball national rankings, it's like you have teams that are high schools where there are kids who go to school there who don't play sports, who are in the marching band or whatever, are competing against 19-year-old high school graduates, you know, in these prep programs or whatever. And, I, you know, all I'll say is this. Being a, a, a local sports writer for the last 15 years, I'm not surprised by fucking anything. You can tell you could trick these parents into anything because they are crazy. You like the, like such a huge percentage of kids at this point who are among the elite athletes in California are holdbacks where they redid eighth grade. They they do eighth grade twice so that they can get their ages lined up and stuff. And I'm just like, I understand the value of a, a college scholarship to a family, especially if it's a family where, you know, people haven't gone to college before, but like, that's your kid's life, man. You know what I mean? Like, let your kids go to high school with their friends next year. <laughs> like- you know what's wild, too? Like,
1: that year in difference in eighth and seventh grade feels like eight years. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 had a, I knew a dude who I played on. We, we, we played on a traveling team, AAU ball in, like, seventh grade. His dad held him back in sixth grade. So he played a year up, but when he was playing for the school, he was a year back. You feel what I'm saying? He was killing them niggas, dog. <laughs> I mean? don't,
2: and I, don't, like, I honestly, a, a lot of uh, a lot of sports writers really judge parents who do holdbacks. I honestly don't like. If my grandpa didn't get a, a degree from Rutgers on the GI Bill, I would be the eighth person in a two bedroom apartment in New Jersey still, probably. You know what I mean? Like, I get what a college scholarship means to what the direction your family points, but to me, it's also just a sign of like, like I said, you could get these people to do anything. Like yeah. there are people who are paying money that they could be saving for college to give people, to give their kids exposure or whatever. And like all these prep schools, a lot of this shit's the same way, but someone tried to do this in Southern California. Uh, someone tried to do this in Southern California during the shutdown when it didn't look like there was going to be high school football last year. They said, we're going to start a club football team and a prep school. So you can hold back as often as you want. And we will, you know, we're going to take over like high school football. Seriously. It was. On, it's not. On, I believe uh, Brian Gumbel's having them on. I. I was. I was interviewed for a documentary about it. We went out and covered the shit. You know what I mean? Like this stuff is everywhere. It's just it does not usually get on ESPN.
1: <laughs> Isn't it required to have a certain amount of
2: like you know gen eds
1: in order to graduate? So like with IMG, where like you're really going to school to be a fucking athlete. You know what I'm saying? And like you're taking these. Like, are you meeting minimal requirements to get to graduate and go to these? I mean, I don't know how that works. loopholes and
2: shit on everything, bro. You know what I mean? I mean, it's always been loopholes. It was a kid I graduated high school with who is an All-American football player. Let me be careful on how I phrase this. Who struggled with the SAT significantly, right? Okay. Took it like three times, was not meeting the USC thing. Mm-hmm. You file what's called an IEP. You say, my son is in special ed. He needs academic assistance. Guess what? Now uh, an academic tutor that you hire gets to help him take the SAT. Help. There's Yeah. There's loopholes around everything in mm-hmm. education. Um, as there kind of should be. The loopholes are set up, you know, these different things are set up to actually help kids with learning disabilities and who need mm-hmm. this stuff. But it's easy to take advantage of it because high schools and school districts aren't going to sue parents. They don't, you know, like they don't right, do right, that. Right, right, so, right, right. Yeah, but anyway, yes, there there are requirements and stuff, but there's ways to get around all of it. And um, a good Mr. scam Mr. Sycamore, is a good scam. Those they, are the little scams.
1: <laughs> they pulled a the scam of all scams when it comes to, you know, <laughs> we haven't seen anything like that. I, I, you know, I'll give that to him. Like, dog, I mean, I, I I don't feel bad for anybody. It's just funny. You know what I mean? Like, I do feel bad for the kids got their ass whooped by some ki- by. Well, adults got to ass with my kids. That's really embarrassing. <laughs> they set them up for failure. <laughs> but other than that, dog, like, I love it. It was more their second this, game in three days. I'll actually they watch ESPN more prior. if this happened. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I-, I want more of this so I can actually have reasons to turn on fucking ESPN, dog. <laughs> Bro, if 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 we had somehow knew about
3: this scam before the game actually kicked off, that shit would have been the highest rated ESPN sporting event of the fucking year, bro. If we'd have too, if we'd have known beforehand about this shit, man.
1: Can you imagine the live tweeting? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean.
2: <laughs> too fun. God bless. <laughs> Thank you to the good folks at Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: is anybody is anybody getting locked up over this? I hope not, right? No, none of that's happening. Yeah. It's just you just got you just got you got played on that. There's no, there's no real. It's not like fraud in the sense that you broke a law,
2: right? The coach is the coach might now who has any arrest charge out. The the co- the coach that went on national television with a a warrant out and then you know quite frankly, I mean, I feel like this is the same answer to any question. Like, are the people who committed fraud black or not? You know what I mean? Like if it's a, if it's some white people who set up Bishop Sycamore, you know they're not going to prison over that. Like it was the same thing with the NCAA basketball scandal, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, only magically only the black assistant coaches at these colleges got caught up in these allegations from the FBI. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure that. I'm sure Coach K had no idea What was going on in his program He seems now like we the kind of about... dude who just doesn't Pay attention to what's going on, you know That's a great segue Into our book
1: <laughs> <laughs> We do have another subject though, right But that uh, will no, be this a great is, that, segue that, that,
2: That's it, I just wanted to uh, We obviously had to talk about the bishops And again, listen, if you see like giant tortoises That are not going viral and you tag us Under that, th- like thank you, you know Make sure we see stuff, but Bishop Sycamore, come on bro <laughs> We are going to talk about Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> do we? Do we have to talk about Ben
1: Simmons? Are we? Are, oh we yeah. Do, okay. Yes. Hit us do, we, we, with some do we care? Basket, do we, I yeah, mean, hit, we, don't, if we don't care. No, we don't hit care. Us, man, hit us with
2: some baskety hoop talk. I'm like just saying Simmons situation. <laughs>
1: how do how, how do y'all do, do, do? Who's leading? Who's leading this in, into Explain this? Explain like, it to
2: me like I've been. Uh, Spending time with my kids and not paying attention to the Ben Simmons situation.
1: (laughs) I don't really know what's (laughs) happening, honestly. I think basically what happened is, like, the Sixers said they'll stick with Ben Simmons because nobody wants to give him an all-star player (laughs) because they don't want an all-star player who's scared to be a fucking all-star when it fucking matters, you know what I mean? And now he's saying that he's not showing up for, you know, preseason workouts and shit like that because he wants to leave as well. Do we care about that though? That's what I'm that's what I'm really wondering. I I just was, was interested if anybody cared about that shit. Um, I I I think in the bigger scope of things, it's
3: another failure of the process. You know what I mean? Like, like they're about to lose out on Ben Simmons. They lost out on Markel Fultz. Like, I mean, basically all they're really gonna have for fucking, you know, six, seven years of tanking is Embiid. And Embiid is a bad motherfucker. You know, that's a not to downplay him. But it's just they didn't handle this well. Like, like if you are trying to trade this dude after that shitty series he had, you don't need your coach publicly saying, bro, I don't know if we can win with this guy after that. You know what I mean? Like, even if that is the truth, you are supposed to build that motherfucker up in public. You know what I mean? And and whatever issues you have with how you don't think he can fit, you know, in in, in your scheme or whatever, you, you have those discussions behind closed doors with or without Ben Simmons, with the coaches or, or management or whatever. But they just... They tanked his value. Ben Simmons said, yo, I want to get traded. They couldn't trade him. Ben Simmons was like, bro, I was there that serious. I want to get traded. I'm not coming to camp. And now here we are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just a shitty situation all around from, from how they handled it. Basically from the fucking inception
1: of the whole process shit to where we are now. Doc was trying to save himself, though, right, when he said that. Do we Can we agree upon that? Like Doc felt yeah, like he was in a hot up. seat because it mm-hmm. looked bad. And he was like, I don't know if I could win with him taking the fucking heat off himself, putting it on Ben, which is some whole shit in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? But like I think Doc said that because he was trying to say himself he was in a desperate situation. It wasn't because he felt it or didn't feel it honestly. You know what I'm saying? I think he was just thinking about self and not about, you know, like the the team as a whole. You know what I mean?
2: It's like uh <clears throat> it's like if you've ever been if you've ever had no money, I mean like no money and no credit. there's like a specific hopelessness of not having any leverage right you know what i mean you're like what am i gonna do i'm gonna take out a loan and i'm gonna put my body as the collateral like you know what i mean he held himself out (laughs) there's nothing there and like that that's what this is this is a situation where everyone's angry and there's no leverage (laughs) like we don't want this dude we got to trade him well no one fucking wants him well i don't want to be here you got to trade me well no one fucking wants you (laughs) It's just like, and like in a, like in many situations when you truly have no money, everyone's just angry. Like like, (laughs) you're in a bad situation and there's no way for you to get out of it. You just got to sit there and be fucking poor with Ben Simmons, bro.
1: (laughs) But you won't be poor. You'll win. Just not when it matters. (laughs) Like regular season, you might be good. You know the man gonna be scared when the lights really turn the fuck
2: on. You feel what I'm saying? If Doc was smart, he would have said, Ben is suffering from an autoimmune condition that resolved itself as of just now. (laughs)
1: <laughs> like, if doc was smart he would have been fired too probably by not taking that heat off himself yeah. you yeah. know what i mean so if, if doc was
3: smart he wouldn't have lost to the fucking to the fucking hawks you know what i'm saying But like, so there's a lot of what-ifs around
1: this motherfucker and yeah. so he hurt himself and his team in order him to save himself as well which I'm, is I'm wild just,
2: as fuck. I'm just, sad. I've, I've heard, I've heard those conversations in my household many times. If we had done this, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nigga, well, being broke
1: sucks. Now dog. you're broken,
2: mad, <laughs> 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 No
1: Christmas at the crib, nigga. Woo, shit, nigga. Niggas was looking forward to it. I'm like, nigga, arguments and uh, uh, fuck all of that, nigga. <laughs> <Anyway>. The
2: anxiety <laughs> of this is enough, right? Right, 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 <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Goddamn. Nigga. FanDuel Sportsbook is hooking new users up with enhanced 30-1 to 1 odds for the first big college football game of the season. That's right. Pick either Georgia or Clemson to win and you could turn a $5 bet into a $150 payday. Uh, I'm going to be rooting for Clemson. I know their quarterback, DJ Unguialele, very well, uh, as well as the rest of his family. We've known them since he was in uh, ninth grade at St. John Bosco, over here at Stone's Throw from Long Beach. So always rooting for DJ and the rest of the, uh, uh, the Unguialele clan. Sign up now and make your first deposit to kick off the college football season on America's number one sports book. There's no better place to bet college football than FanDuel Sportsbook. They've got great promotions, as I just discussed. They're the number one rated sportsbook app. It's easy to use, and they have fast payouts. You can get paid in as little as 24 hours. So make the most out of college football this week with enhanced 30-1 to 1 odds on Georgia versus Clemson. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code J&J. That's j ampersand j so they know we sent you. Disclaimer, must be 21 and over and present in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, or West Virginia. New users only, must wager in designated offer market. $10 first deposit required, $150 max bonus. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well.
2: With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process. Angie makes completing home projects easy. We've used Angie at my house. We had some work done. Uh, we had some painting done. We were able to find a bunch of really qualified people with good rage through Angie and pick someone we were really happy with. It was super easy to use the app, super easy to connect with someone. We got the call right away, so we didn't have to sit around and wait. Your one-stop
3: shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes for multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie gets the difficulties that come with home projects. Why not make it as simple as possible to tackle that project? Turn to Angie with confidence, even for major renovations or emergency
2: repairs. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated
0: card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: What's up? I'm John Wall.
0: And I'm CJ Toledano,
2: And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year, Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, anyway. we are finishing up. Uh, we read the second half of uh, Hanif abdul Keeb's They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us. This was Tyler's Pick. We are hoping to have him on the podcast next week. Uh, and then we will be reading uh, Clint Smith's How the Word is Passed the week after. Um, and we'll discuss next week or on Sunday or something how much of it we're going to read. But we'll start on that in two weeks. Uh, but Tyler, uh, why don't you jump us into talking about the second half of this book? The
3: second half of this book, we picked off after Fallout Boy Forever, which was probably my favorite passage in the whole thing. So, from a uh, book from uh part four of Ford. it starts off with Ric Flair, best rapper alive, which was an amazing fucking essay. Um, just want to talk about that for a second. It's 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 uh. In in that essay, what Hanif did was kind of draw parallels to how, how, how rappers kind of emerge from, you know, shitty situations. And then you, you know, I had no idea about how Ric Flair's life played out here as well. Like he was, he has no idea who his birth parents were. He was put up for adoption. Ric Flair isn't even his real name. Um, He survived a plane crash that paralyzed a dude who he switched seats with, like right before it happened because he was nervous about it and it's it, it was it was a really good essay into kind of how a lot of shit is circumstantial and a lot of you know even greatness is circumstantial at times you we all need breaks there and shit, so I thought that was a really good good essay there.
1: I love the Serena Williams one, like the one about Serena was really interesting because uh <clears throat> like talking about her dad, um it was like. You know, like, you know. I, I, in, the, in the end, I think they kind of fell out. I, I don't want to say fell out, but she had to like part ways a little bit because he was was it, it was a pretty he was pretty controlling. Am I am I being correct when I'm saying this? Okay. So, but the thing, like, it's wild. Like, it was talking about what made the dad that made Serena, right? To a degree, and part of it, right? Talking about what made Serena, what made the dad that made Serena, the things that made the dad are is what helped made Serena, also was what helped protect Serena. But the things that made the dad also prevented him from continuing as serena got successful and i think that's really or, or you know as as she you know gained popularity and all that and grew and all that you feel what i'm saying i think it's really wild that the things that help us to survive or that help us to be great are the things that also can prevent us from continuing to be great in the long run you know what i'm saying i thought that was wild as fuck but it also talked about how you know um what she's what does she experience growing up in compton and how you know like knowing she's not going to be there and the joy she feels when she does win and how it's connected to her, her upbringing and how like people will say that's arrogant or her being haughty and shit and how they they can't fathom how that feeling feels because they've never been what she's been through and don't understand you know like how she shouldn't be here you know what i mean and that's not arrogance. It's like truly joy and pride and like how her, you know, confidence is such a big part of her success. And uh, I I, I want to read like the last second to last paragraph just so I think that was that thought was really dope. When I talk about Serena Williams here, I need people to understand he, her for where she came from and not where she is now. Rather, I need people to understand her for what she was born into. I need people to understand both the whole and the sum of her parts. I need people to understand the Compton, the crack. I mean, people. I need people to understand the Compton, the crack cocaine and the champion, the woman who buried a sister with the same hand she uses to bury opponents. If you do not know what she knows, then you know nothing of the ultimate reward of greatness, the way it feels when everything clicks. It's almost unfathomable to tell someone to act like they've been somewhere when they are intensely aware of the fact that they were never supposed to be there in the first place. Isn't it? And I think that that can be said about a lot of athletes. You know what I mean, and a lot of things like when when people are judging, act like you've been there, bitch. I ain't supposed to fucking be here, nigga. You know what I'm saying? And maybe e- not just here, maybe even alive from, some, you know, depending on where these some some of these people come from. You know what I'm saying? So I I I, I love how you put it in that way because I'm usually just like, bitch, they did all this hard ass work to get here. They deserve to to you know to celebrate and 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 and, and, and to stand it and and to take in their greatness. But also, like, there's a lot of things, you know, underlying that are going, that are, you know, in play as well. You know what I'm
2: saying? So, I, lo- I love that, and I loved it for different reasons. I would say the, the last, you know, I, I love the first half of this book, and we were talking about it last week, but the, the last, like, 60 pages, the last, like, five essays in this book are so good Starting from the, the like last seven or eight, I think starting from my first police stop to the end of the book, it was like haymakers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it was I asked you guys before we hopped on, like, why don't we as adult men? There's like no culture around reading books with your friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Women, to some extent, I think it, at least like in the suburbs, it's much more common for women to be part of book clubs or whatever else. But like, I don't know the last time I mean, I, I send you guys books or something was the last time you were like, let's all read a book and talk about it. But this is so much better than fucking Netflix or mm-hmm. most music or like the things that it's just like it's accepted culturally that we all sort of like do together and talk about or whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. It was just, like, every single thing, I was like, I'm going to have Char read this so we can talk about it after. I'm going to have Char read this one so we can talk about it after. <laughs>
1: bro, I told Rob, you got to read this book, man.
2: Like, I I, I told you, like, that was, like, the, with the third... Prince was, like,
1: the third fucking essay or some shit. I'm like, you have to read this after it's done. You know what I mean? But I don't know, bro. Like, I feel like, yeah, we... we and we, we read. We'll read, but we don't ever talk about the books that we're reading, too. Like, we read outside of this. But I love the fact that we are... You know, like this right here is like I, I, I told you. I haven't turned on TV for real because I'm like this. This this shit is so captivating, and you know what I mean. Like the you know, like books are so much better. And it gets to the point where he, like, this guy is so descriptive. You know what I'm saying? Like that. I mean, I don't feel like I'm reading anymore. I'm 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 reading, but I'm really watching it. I I see everything he's talking about. You know, I'm like you talking about when he got. You feel this, like his, you
2: know him. You feel, you know what I mean? Like right, I really right, feel right. like I, I could I could think about an album that just came out or a life experience and imagine how he would describe it just after reading a 280 page book. You know what I mean? He t-
1: Go ahead. About to no, talk? I, I
3: was, I was going to say, Um, you know, I, I told y'all in the group text, how me and Hanif got acquainted on Twitter years back. Um, Wipe Me Down by uh, Boosie Fox and, and Webby mm-hmm. Drop mm-hmm. 2007. And I tweeted out like 2017. I was like, bro, we need like a 10 year appreciation post on that song. And Hanif hit me up. And was like, um, I kind of did something like that, right? And he linked me to this essay that he wrote. Let me read the official title called Burning That Which Will Not Save You. Wipe Me Down in the Ballad of Baton Rouge. And basically, um, in that essay, what he did was he kind of explored the, the plight of New Orleans Katrina, um, um, you know, people from New Orleans who were affected by Katrina who mass migrated to Baton Rouge and how Baton Rouge was was, um, you know, trying to get their name known in the rap game at the time after seeing, you know, how New Orleans blew up with um, with Cash Money and, and No Limit. And it was just a brilliant breakdown. And the, the, the piece, the, the piece that really stuck with me the most here, I'm a reader for y'all. Um, the first line in Wipe Me Down is one of the greatest lines in all of rap music fox says i pull up at the club vip gas tank on e but all drinks on me and he says it with his chest it is the entire thesis of the song distilled to a fine point i don't have much but what i have is yours for this i think of what it is to grow up poor in one of your city's worst neighborhoods and dream of money to grow up with an eye towards gold while young black men who look like you and come from a neighborhood like the one you come from in a city just a highway away are covered in gold from rapping. That was him referencing, you know, how, how New Orleans blew up before Baton Rouge did. To get close enough to afford some things, but still sacrifice others. The thing I think that people get wrong about the act of the stunt is that it isn't entirely narcissistic, or at least it isn't always an act of self-worship. There's generosity in one who goes out of their way to look fly and raise the bar of the room they're in. There's generosity in having some cash in your pocket and an empty gas tank and a room full of friends who are harboring a thirst maybe with, with maybe less cash in their pockets than you have in yours. To grow up poor, especially with any proximity to wealth, real or imagined, is to think sometimes that money can save you. To think that money can pull you and the people you love out of the feeling of any grief or sadness. To then get money, especially rapidly, is to find out that isn't true. It's all a myth, especially if you are of any marginalized group in America. The only answer is to, is to dispose of that which will not save you. What Fox was really saying, I think, is that it doesn't matter how one gets home in a room full of people they love. You make your home wherever you and your people stop. And that was the shit that, that, that was Hanif's introduction to me, bro. And I was like, this motherfucker is brilliant. You, know you felt I mean? like, like
2: you felt like you found a you, you felt like you were walking down the street and looked down and, and saw a $500,000 diamond like sitting on the fucking <laughs> right. sidewalk. Like, You're like, well, "What like, the? F- this, this dude linked me his shit on Twitter like you had a fucking MySpace or a blog or some shit." <laughs> like or, <laughs> Right.
3: So yeah, man, and and he's been one of my favorite rappers since, man. I mean, rap rappers writers
1: since. Yeah. He talks about how like us like the the like in that in that article he talks about like how we all dress and I, I just it made me think about like how like he talked about how uh I think Webby had a fucking 4XL shirt on and you could still see like the buckle of his jeans because he was sagging so much, right? And it's like the audacity we had to think that was fly. <laughs> he talks about that shit. I was like nigga we I remember wearing I mean going to Foot Locker buying like, was it three for 20 or 4 for 20? Fucking tall tees, nigga. I'm 5'11. Ain't shit about me tall. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll get the tall version of the 4XL shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was that that was that was wild to me. The, the Fleetwood Mac fucking article was
2: great oh, too, yeah. talking about like love and like. And I don't give a fuck about fleet like i literally never i listened to that album because of that essay but yeah like even when he's writing about stuff where i'm like if so if if my best friend has sent me something like read this essay about fleetwood mac i would have been like oh yeah i'll get to it when i can get to it <laughs> but in his book at that point you're like i'll literally read this dude write about anything
1: <laughs> yeah. What was the name of that? What was the name of that? The rumors. Uh,
3: rumors. It, rumors is an all time. No, no, album, not. I know, not know the album. What
1: was it? What was the name of the essay? I'm trying to. Because there was a fire ass paragraph on that shit.
2: What page is that? It's the last in book four. Page what? One sixty five. Okay. I'm
3: the, yeah, the so last. Basically, oh, you, you know, in in that issue i mean in that essay what he did was he he likened the the composition of rumors which the background story on that okay fleetwood mac has five members there were two couples right stevie nicks and lindsey buchanan and um
2: which is crazy was,
3: yeah yeah uh, and you know stevie nicks was 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 a vocalist lindsey buchanan um was a keyboardist i think or guitar player i don't know which one and then there was another couple um lavis i think uh caroline Levy or some shit but Anyway, she was a vocalist and he was a bass player. So these two couples were breaking up. Mm -hmm. And then there was, you know, um, um, Mick Fleetwood, who was, you know, also a um, a vocalist in that. And his wife was cheating on his best friend at that time during Mm -hmm. the time they were recording this. So basically, you had two couples, you know, fucking crumbling that were in the group at the same time. And then, you know, you had the, the male vocalist whose marriage was also crumbling due to outside forces. And they were all kind of holding together, working on this. And he likened it to how he had a friend who moved in with his girlfriend mm-hmm. three months into their year, lease, they broke up and it was just hell for them for those last nine months. Right. And he likened it to how, how sometimes the hardest thing about a breakup is how mm-hmm. you can't get away from that person, you know, whether, whether physically, <laughs> mentally, emotionally
1: or whatever it was, it was a brilliant piece. And he talked about, he said to him, it would have been hell those last nine months of the lease, but he w- was distinctly remembers them being really sad. When they when they broke when when after after the lease was up, when they both moved. And it was like there's ends of things, and then there is the end of things. But this is the last paragraph. I want to read this because I just thought it was really interesting. I thought the way he summed it up was fire. My favorite photo of the band from the from the rumors era was taken by Annie Libeliebowitz for the March 1977 Rolling Stone cover. The same month the album was released. The band is sprawled on a queen mattress that is resting on the floor. Mick Fleetwood, the glue in the middle his long limbs stretching from the top of the mattress to the bottom, a single sheet covering everyone. Buckingham has Christine McVee in a... Is it McVie or What's how you spell it? Uh-huh. Uh, Mc, McVie in his arms, a hand in her hair. Chris, Christine's hand is outstretched, reaching out, reaching over to touch Fleetwood's foot. nicks is, is resting on Fleetwood's bare chest, her legs draped over John McVee's stomach. John McVee is unbothered, reading a magazine. The joke is that they were always too connected to let each other go so easily. I like to think of this as a great lesson hiding in rumors. There are people we need so much that we can't imagine turning away from them. People we've built entire homes inside of ourselves for that cannot stand empty. People, will still find a way to make a, people we still find a way to make magic with even when the lights flicker and the lo- love runs entirely out. Bro. That la- those last four sentences. I mean, and, and, but that is real, bro. Like there's people in my life you know what I'm saying, who I don't love in the same way, but I've built places in, in 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 myself for them that will that will just be empty, that won't be filled by someone else. You know what I mean? And, you know, like, it's 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 really wild to see somebody put that <laughs> in words so eloquently explaining me and how I feel to me, nigga. You know what I'm saying? And he did the same thing when you... Uh, Mike, you were talking about this with the... um the uh you know white liberals versus white you know uh, conservatives and, yeah. and and the similarities in their racism how they act, how they act but you know like he was talking about like there was one lady in Baltimore talking about she was House on the of, phone talking right. about um, yeah.
2: talking about I forget Freddie I forget. Gray was it for, was it about what was it Gray yeah, I think she, but yeah. she was talking about a police shooting and about how horrible it was. And as she was talking to her friend about this, she put her bags down on Hanif, like li- <laughs> sitting on a bench, literally didn't see that he was there. Um, yeah, that essay for me was like, I, I said to you guys, th- those are conversations I've had with friends of mine, but that I've never seen anyone articulate and certainly not articulate so well but the three the three of us have talked about it the blackout squares on instagram and the you know i live in the suburbs in long beach and i go around and every house has the in this house we believe that blah 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 is blah 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 and you know it's and it's like you see all that stuff and you go okay but if you really believe that wouldn't things be different You know, I mean, if you really you know, if you really but the way he wrote about that, the sort of like internalized versus externalized racism was um, it felt like an x-ray on like being a white liberal dude in a white you know, in a white liberal area in a not white liberal city, it was like an x-ray on everyone. <laughs> it was it was really, really, really moving to me that whole essay. I thought he captured it perfectly.
1: I think the the thing that's interesting is like, I think this is what makes you different too is like even though you're a liberal white person, you grew up around black people. So you have like like you know a lot of a lot of liberals they don't. They they have just as little interaction with black people as conservatives. You know what I mean? Like, Except you know, it's an
2: idea, and it's, it's, it's just an, not, it's it's an idea, idea that they idea like difference. versus an idea right. that they don't like. Right.
1: Right. So like when when like when he, like so she was he he was just as invisible by this woman that didn't like the idea of police brutality, but in her everyday acts, like she might grab her purse if she saw a black dude too. You know what I mean? So it's like you know, and 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 these are things we've been talking about on social media and whatnot, but this dude breaks it down in ways where, like, you know, in that white liberal, you know, neighborhood where he was pulled over by the cops, where, you know, they all, you know, were, you know, you know, were liberal-leaning, you know, somebody still called the cops on his ass. You feel what I'm saying? And they still didn't go to assist and help him, you know, and they still didn't really interact with the black neighborhoods that surrounded them. They just saw them. You know what I mean? And, and so we're like, proud,
2: and we're proud that they live near them, near them, but you not. Know what I mean, Would, right. would, would
1: not want that, but when the, those neighborhoods leaked in to their neighborhood, they were just as uncomfortable as a right. conservative white. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So like, it's 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 really interesting to see it put in these in this way. where like. You know, somebody he, he breaks down a lot of things that we're thinking that we understand and we feel, but we can't explain. You it, know, it what I feels mean, like well. an
2: impassioned, like one a.m. conversation you have with your friend after you've had a great night together. He's smoking some, a cigarette, and someone <laughs> got to be smoking that, a cigarette. Yeah, and someone <laughs> took know? that and turned it into an essay that right. you could actually read at eleven a.m. on a on a wet. You know what I mean? That's what was so incredible um, about it to me, Tyler. I know uh, we're we're wrapping up here in a couple minutes. Do you have anything else you wanted to share? Uh, and then obviously we'll, we'll put out there, I, we're going to ask for some reader questions for when we know we're going to have Hanif on, but, um, we'll, we'll figure that. Out. I don't know if we're going to do, we'll probably do that via email. Um, so we'll put that out there at some point in the next day or two, but Tyler, do you want to wrap up, uh, sort of talking about the book? Phenomenal book. It's, um, I've read just about everything Hanif has done and
3: it's my favorite work of his. Um, you know, I, I love the, the, the continual theme in in this book of you know juxtaposing music into real life shit you know what i mean like pretty much every essay the underlying theme is music and you know where he was at that point in, in his life when this music came out or how this certain you know piece of uh, music hit him and how it, it correlated to to a certain life experience and such it's just it's 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 fucking brilliant man you know i don't know I don't, you throw that word brilliant around but it, i mean i'm just a huge hanif fan he's he's one of my favorite rappers out there man i'm writers again i keep calling him a rapper he's one of my favorite writers out there and i'm very much looking forward to having him on here i think that's gonna be a great conversation
1: he gives me the same feeling i get when i read and i'm not comparing the two with james baldwin you know what i mean? Where like, when I'm reading it, I'm like, how the fuck is he explaining it this well? You know what I mean? Like, these are very complex things that he's breaking down, you know what I'm saying? To like, it's most minute, you know what I mean? Like, parts. And I I felt, I I felt the same way when reading this, like, damn, like how he's breaking the shit down is just so beautifully, beautiful and eloquent, you know what I mean? So... Um, but yeah, this I get the same feeling. Like I said, I'm not gonna not compared to, you know, we we you know what I'm saying, like but
2: I am. All right, that's our time for Jenkins and Jones today. We'll be back on Monday with uh the Booger Boy of the Week and uh all kinds of other we'll, we'll see what happens in the saga of Ben Simmons and the 76ers. <laughs> we, don't fuck, <laughs> we don't give a fuck, Man We don't give a fuck. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Ready, set, griddle this grilling season. Get the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle with a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge. It reaches up to 500 degrees. The Weber Works Prep Cook and Store System Keeps cooking supplies handy, and you can carry all the food, condiments, and utensils you need. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate
0: Rust Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required.